I feel like the Smothers Brothers or something. And you have to be kind of old to know that reference. Jen, do you even know who they are? Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Love it. There we go. Are you Tommy? What? Yeah, I'm Tommy. Is Tommy the straight man? I'm Tommy. No. No. It's all relative. Oh, he's the goofball. Okay. All right. Well, should we, should we, welcome back. Should we start? Should we start with, with, with a couple people are in. Okay. Oh, there they are. Yeah. All right. Well, we're waiting for them to come in. Anyone have an act of grace, perform an act of grace, receive an act of grace this week? Doesn't have to be a big one, can be a little one. Find a $20 bill on the ground or anything. You know, if you two want to sit together, I can move my bag over here and then... Okay. <clears throat> so no acts of grace this week for anyone present? That was an act of grace right there. Right before our very eyes, that's correct. Right. It doesn't right. have to be a big act, it can be a small act. Right. Well, I want to say just open the prayer real quickly. <clears throat> Father, thanks for um, uh, your word. Thanks for this beautiful day. Thanks for each person here and for those online. Uh, pray that you open up uh, this uh, this book to us and and uh, the scripture behind the book and, and have us learn great things about you uh, so we can love you and others more. In Christ's name, amen. 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 All right, well, quickly on names, um, Don, I got Debbie, I got John, I got uh, you, <laughs> I got John, I got Laura, oh, Fred, Fred, Na- Nancy, great, Susan, Rich, Steve, and Kathy. All right, that was, that was painless mm-hmm. and pretty quick, too. So. All right, Nancy, Fred, and Rich, okay. <clears throat> so do you have an initial question you had or, or do you want to like go through some of this or um, well I was gonna the first question I had written down was what does it mean to forgive does it mean if you forgive you forget does it mean you all is forgiven never to be remembered again what does forgiveness mean and can it mean different things in different circumstances that's a very good question, Tommy. <laughs> well, thanks. I don't know what the other one's name was. Well, in the book he says, and I kind of like that, that it's a way of releasing ourselves from the burden of the hurt, whatever, or the harm, whatever it was. He says that, and he also he follows that up with a second. He, it releases the burden from the forgiver, um, but it also releases a burden from the forgiven. Um, it's a, he describes it as a two-way street. Did anyone else find that compelling? Anyone 
disagree with that. I like what you said about it. it places the forgiver on the same side as the person who did the wrong. So if you're in, 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 from Northern Ireland and have hated the British in 1643, <laughs> you, you, you say you, you, or I guess it's the other way around. Yeah, the Irish, Irish person would forgive the English person. And maybe by doing that, they, they say, you know, uh, I forgive you, but now that I'm in your shoes, I can kind of see how maybe it happened. I can kind of see how maybe there was retribution from both sides, and so maybe neither one of us is, you know, gets off scot-free. Even though for, <clears throat> even though forgiveness, well, anyway, so forgiveness will free the Irishman from, you know, from this burden. And I was in Ireland about 1996 with some with a with family member and uh, we had took a bus tour you know and and uh, I swear the guy driving the bus had to belong to the IRA he he hated Oliver Cromwell 1643 thereabouts <coughs> like like he just uh, robbed his house last night it was amazing so those grudges go on and on and on Israel and Palestine <coughs> those grudges do go on and on well, the difficulty I have with part of what he was saying is when he talks about somebody coming and asking for forgiveness. I have a problem with that. Um, I don't think any of us really have a right to ask somebody for forgiveness. I think we have a right to make our apologies. But when we ask somebody to forgive us, we're really asking them to take responsibility for what I did. And I think that forgiveness is something that the one who's been injured gives, but they give it primarily to let it go. And it may let the other person off the hook, or it may not, but until the other person is able to say, I'm sorry, they're really not off the hook, not spiritually. And one of, <clears throat> one of, one of my friends was always upset about giving anybody forgiveness because it let them off the hook, and he didn't think they deserved to be let off the hook. And I, I think forgiveness is primarily for the one who does the forgiving. Because from a spiritual standpoint, you're saying, okay, it is what it is, and I'm not gonna carry this anger and this hurt anymore. But, but when but when you who have injured me comes and asks me to forgive you, I, I was taught as a boy that you have to forgive somebody. Well, if you have to forgive somebody, it really isn't forgiveness. I mean, it becomes an exchange. It becomes a, it's, it's law operational again. And so, of course, I would say, because my mother said I had to, I say, okay, I'll forgive you. But we were really prepared to shake hands. I mean, we were even required to shake hands. We shook hands, but, but when they left, we were ready to fight again because it just, it wasn't real. Um, your, your comment makes me think back to the, one of the first chapters where he talks about when Daniel, Joseph, sorry, Joseph, you know, was coat of many colors, was, was sent, to, um, <clears throat> sent to Egypt you know, the terrible experience, rotted in prison for a while. And uh, he said in the book, 
he didn't understand, and I totally understood, that was exactly what I thought. He didn't understand why it took so long for Joseph to forgive and why he put the silver in his brother's sacks and kind of tricked him a couple times and da 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 da. But then finally, finally he did forgive them and got that release. And he said that, you know, it, 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 it's difficult to do. And so it may, not, it's, it, it may happen that instant, it may not happen that instant. But I, I think, I think uh, what he's talking about in this section is if it, maybe through, well, through God's <coughs> grace, you, to, to stop the, the tyranny of abusive, abuse every, going on for generations or hundreds of years, at some point, forgiveness is, 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 is important, super important. I mean, I've always said to any parishioner who ever came to me to, in a pastoral situation, I've always said, you need to forgive that person. But don't do it until you're really ready. Because otherwise, it's, it's a fraud. You know, you're basically doing violence to yourself if you do it before you've actually finally been able to say, okay. I'm laying this down. And that's what I think was happening with Joseph. It took yeah, him quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, it makes sense. I don't me. think he ever expected to see those guys again. No, no. Susan, you look like you want to say something. Oh, no, Debbie. Oh, Debbie. Okay. In, in the book, he says the reason we forgive is because God forgives, and, he, and we're supposed to be like him. And um, I don't know. That, it, it, it's hard, you know, I think it's hard, but it's an unnatural act. It's the title of this, this one chapter, and I think that that's the bottom line. <laughs> it doesn't come naturally. Perhaps a different perspective, though, since Joseph and God are the only ones who know Joseph's heart and when he actually forgave, Perhaps those tests were his attempts to determine how much trust he should invest. Like, was there sufficient trustworthiness to rebuild and reconcile? I um, really appreciate John's point about the problem of asking for forgiveness making it transactional. But I'm a little confused by the author, and I'm a little confused about the title of this book. He could have easily written a book, What's So Amazing About Forgiveness? But he did not. And he further confused me with it when he started with his um, story of Babette's Feast, okay? These were very curmudgeon-y people. And she came and selflessly served them all. And when she finally um, won a, through a lottery ticket back in France, where all her family were gone and everything, she then chose to take all that money and make them a wonderful feast that they weren't aware she could do. Nobody um, said anything. Uh, I think a point was made that they were all silent because they're out of respect, but there was this one general who
who knew French cuisine and was talking magnificently about it. So you had one person giving praise to the person, the cook who presented the, the feast, and all the rest were silent. And then later it was revealed um, that she's not going back to France, she's not going to live a wealthy life, she's going to remain impoverished because she took all her winnings and provided that feast to people. It's a wonderful story, but is that, did she give them grace? Uh, you know, uh, he's, you know, and I've, I've dipped through part of the rest of the book, and I think the end, I'm still having struggled to understand the opposite of grace is ungrace. I think it's very interesting, but it's almost confused in my mind with talking about human forgiveness. So. I think the Babette's Feast, I think, was meant to illustrate that grace can be an unmerited gift, freely given, and one of the things he says in here that costs the giver everything and the recipient nothing. It's just given. And I, the way I looked at Babette's Feast was that it was meant to illustrate that point. And with respect to your, your comment about the opposite of grace is ungrace, that bothered me in the book because ungrace immediately carries a negative connotation with it. And you can also say the opposite of grace is justice. And justice should not, and in my mind does not have, a negative connotation to it. So I, I'm with you, I didn't like that term ungrace. It bothered me. But he also says that forgiveness is not pardon. So I think when we look at it from a grace standpoint, it's not pardoning them. It's just a gift, or I don't know what. And Debbie, one, one of the things that made me, and I'm kind of jumping ahead here because one of the last chapters is about nations forgiving one another. But my husband pointed out that Abraham Lincoln, at the end of the Civil War, could have rounded up Jeff Davis, Robert E. Lee, name them, and hung them from the highest tree as uh, traitors to their country, which they were. They took up arms against the United States of America. He didn't. It was an act of grace that he said, I'm taking your guns from you, and we're going to be watching you, and I'm going to send people down south to monitor your lawmaking, but go home, plow your fields, plant your crops, pick up the pieces of your lives. And I saw that, I see that as an act of grace. Now he may also have had some political motivation there, but when I was reading just today, as a matter of fact, that when Lee went to Appomattox, he dressed in his dress uniform because he told his troops, I'm gonna be taken prisoner by the United States, and you know, I want to look like a Southern general. So, I don't know, that, that's, another, that's another side of it, I guess. 
think there's a sense in when when uh, Ford uh, pardoned Nixon that I think at least he thought that might be an act of grace and as a result might end a cycle of retribution, I think more than anything else. And I think that's probably the power of grace in national life, that it can, it can stall a process of retribution. I think that was what was tried in South Africa. Yes. Uh, I think that's what they were trying to do. And it, it's better, I think, than it would have been if they hadn't. Um, but when we start talking about what's going on between individual people, uh, I mean, even that could be the, the, the end of a cycle of retribution. Um, I, for me, Babette's Feast was just a picture of the extravagant nature of grace. That's all. Yeah, and, and of God. Yeah, and yeah, of God. Good, yeah. yeah. And to, to your point, Fred, about um, <clears throat> why isn't it called the, what's so amazing about forgiveness? There was a line that I wrote down that said, because uh, I was confused on the same point. We're talking about forgiveness. I mean, we're, anyway, he says, so I went back. He said, the gospel of grace begins and ends with forgiveness. So that was his segue into forgiveness after he talked about grace and the magnificence of it. And so that cleared up a lot for me. And then sections three and four, I don't know what's, where it's going to go, frankly. But I'm, I, I'm, anyway. Well, what about some other people? Kathy, you, you know? I'm not a talker. All right, that, that's okay. No problem. No problem. I'm wondering if I'm the only one here who's who continues to struggle after many years to forgive someone something. Is no, oh no, you're not alone. <laughs> you're not alone. <clears throat> because I said the words. I said I forgive you, but I'm still. I don't. Ha I don't have that sense of release. I still am carrying the pain and resentment. So obviously, I. I, I, I was lying to myself when I said that because I still feel that I'm carrying that. Has anyone it's else? It's an unnatural act. Well, well, that's why I don't think you can force it. I mean, you can't force it. It it has to happen with your own internal spiritual transformation to be able to actually forgive. Um, and. It, it's a spiritual, it has spiritual implications. I mean, long-term can be spiritual implications. Uh, and so forgiveness is for the person who's doing the forgiven. It's not for the other person. Well, and also on a human level, there's, there's lots of things that we can't do because we're humans, right? But, you know, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And it may take 25 years, but... Um, God, God, you know, Jesus said that that's what we should forgive. We should forgive others as, as um, well, the Lord's Prayer, right? Uh, forgive us our trespasses that we forgive those trespass against us. So it's, it's desired by God, but God may take 25 years to work it out. But it's, it's in process. Well, I, I wonder, like Susan, sometimes there are hurts in life that are very, very difficult to let go of. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that you can't have um, a relationship on a certain level with someone who has 
hurt you deeply, but it's that actually forgiveness. In my mind, it's a truce for the sake of my family or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm going to set that aside and no longer, um, you know, no longer have there be a breach because of this act. But that what I struggle with is, is that really forgiveness? If, you know, if forgiveness is actually being able to say, okay, I'm, I'm, not, it, I'm not hurt by this anymore, I'm not angry with you anymore, then you feel almost as though um, your supposed forgiveness is, is not a truth. And that, I struggle with that as well. John? <laughs> okay, Don, now everybody's listening. So that was for Susan. Wisely. That was for Susan, by yeah. the way. In my personal experience, forgiveness is not black or white. It's is that many, what? Not black or white, it's many shades of gray. <clears throat> and the implication that forgiveness is not pardon is problematic for me because it's part of forgiveness on the other continuum. It's a continuum. And I can want to forgive or try to forgive. doesn't mean I actually do. Uh, and even if I am able to forgive, I may not be able to trust. And if I can't trust, then I really haven't forgiven. So forgive and forget, I don't think it's humanly possible. See, I think, go ahead. Be forgive and forget. I think it should be forgive and learn. I don't think it should be forgive and forget. I think it should be forgive and learn. Well, that's trust. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's about true trust. Trust needs to be rebuilt. And we think about Christ is our example. He forgave from the cross, but when he resurrected, he did not seek those individuals out for a continuing relationship. Say that again. Jesus forgave his enemies from the cross. Yes. But when he returned to earth, he only appeared to his disciples. He did not appear to those individuals. They were not a part of earthly life before the ascension. I just think one of the things we have to remember is I, what I believe. I don't believe it's a command. I think we keep hearing forgiveness as a command. And I think it's, a, I think it's instruction that we're given about how to have a rich, connected community and spiritual life. So I see it more as Jesus counseling us, if you want to have abundant life, then this is one of the things you need to make as a part of your practice. Forgiveness. Now work on it and do your best to get there. But if you don't practice it as a, as a value that's important to you, you'll just rend your community apart you'll rend yourself apart, you'll rend your relationship with you and God apart. I mean, it, it's just, just good counsel, great wisdom. I think it's a good discussion point. Um, so what you're saying is it's good advice, but, and a very important advice, but it's not 
really a command. Does anybody have, what do you all, what do the rest of y'all think? Because I think it's an important, I think it's an important thing to talk about. I think, I, and I've dipped in and out of the book, so I don't know what his final conclusions are. Yeah. But I really think we ought to reserve grace to God. I think grace is a New Testament concept. The Old Testament God was vengeful. And, and his, and <coughs> to, his to a point, to a point, to a point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and his practices were to repeatedly forgive, and then he saw repeated failure, but he, he, his prophet said that God still loves. Well, with Jesus' uh, approach to things, and he would, uh, I think, encourage forgiveness and embracing, I, I just don't think that at all, on a moral level, people such as ourselves can think we're giving grace if we forgive. Because, you know, when they talk about national grace, um, Lincoln and Grant were prepared in, in Grant's presidency later to try to uh, forgive the South. And what we got was 100 years of Jim Crow. I lived in North Carolina for 35 years. I was a government lawyer in North Carolina. I have some friends down there. Uh, it's, a, it's a complex and troubling place. And I don't think uh, that, that nations should talk about giving grace uh, because I think only God has that ability we can try to forgive, but verify. So I don't know. Trust. Variation Trust on a theme there. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, just on the historical part, because I like history, but uh, my understanding was Lincoln, I know Lincoln said that, in fact, it was even quoted in the section of the book, but then he was shot. Right. And then the people that took over after him didn't have the same, they didn't, have some, they didn't have the same conviction at all. Because they, they went into the South to, um, you know, what was it, what's it called? Reconstruction, right? I mean, that was a military occupation of the South. Well, the and, vice president and, was a Southerner and a Democrat. Yeah, there you go. So uh, that wasn't Lincoln's idea. I, th I don't think. No, no, I wasn't there. But um, South's, South's best friend was assassinated by a Southerner. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, uh, but, but, but on the bigger point, um, I, I, I do think it's a command. And I, I don't think it's something we're commanded to do through our own fleshly <coughs> works because many times it's impossible. But I think, I think through God's strength, he will empower us to do it. And like I said, it may take 25 years, and that's okay. But I think if it's not a command, then why really should these nations go forgive each other? Why not just start another civil war, wherever it might be, Kosovo? Because, you know, I, I just choose not to forgive. It's a good idea, but I'm not going to do it. Well, you know, God calls you to forgive. And I think God calls us to a higher calling, frankly, uh, than I'm, I'm just, good with the call. Yeah. So I'm good with the call. Yeah. God calls us to forgive. God calls us to forgive. That's I right. I think that's a little different than God commanding, because I just don't think you can command your heart. 
All right. I think you can command I'll, your brain. I'll, 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 I'll agree with that distinction. Yeah. I, th I think you can command your brain. Yeah. I, one example I want to say, I don't mean to dominate things, but um, <coughs> um, one of my brothers has been great. I mean, I have two great, I have a great family, but um, one of the things he, he kind of inculcated in us a long time ago, and this is my brother, right, age 25 or 26, was he, he came to the conclusion, and he's a, through, through God's grace, for, I think, that, uh, you know, no matter what happens, um, I'm never going to let anything divide me from this family. You know, if so-and-so gets $85 million and I get nothing, I'm not going to hold it against either the person that got all the money or the person that didn't give it to me because it's not worth it because the relationship is too important. And I, I say that, and that's been, a, frankly, a godly light for me for a long time. But on the other side, um, I don't want to get too personal, but somebody we both know very well, all right? Their brother is a convicted pedophile, and they're friends of the family, the other person's brother, friends of the family, and they wanted to come see my brother Rob's kids, right? Well, you know, he and his wife said, you know, that is not happening, you know? So they, they drew the line there, and again, this is 25 years ago, but as far as I know, they've never seen that guy again, and he's not welcome in their house. And, that is a, and, I, and that's the difference between forgiveness and, and necessarily a pardon. I mean, God has to do the pardoning. But, but it's okay to draw those lines saying, I don't hate that man. I don't hate that person or that family um, because God also calls us to love. But um, the rules are very strict, and he's never going to come near my kids ever again. So I always like that distinction. Oh, I hate the one part, but I love the other part. I think that maybe it's two sides of this debate. Well, my analytical brain wants to work with the word command. And we're, we have 10 that are commandments. And forgiving isn't one of those. We have the New Testament command to love one another. But forgiving is not, in that sense, a command. I think it's an invitation. It's an invitation for our higher good because when when we hold those negative positions it changes us inside as well so the invitation and the opportunity and the calling to practice forgiveness and and sometimes the repeated need for forgiveness is that there are different levels where things have impacted us and it's releasing yet again or yet another part. It's a, like an onion. You're peeling back the layers and you're taking an opportunity to go deeper to allow yourself to heal and to open the door for possible reconciliation if the person has produced the fruit leading to reconciliation. I would like to, a couple points. Since you brought up love, we are commanded to love. But isn't that really the same thing as Father John's saying about forgiveness? You can command me to love, but there are some people that I'm not getting there. It's not going to happen in this lifetime or the next. And I, so in, in, I know it's a commandment, but it's a commandment that for some people I can't obey. I, I just can't. And to John's point about forgiveness, I hope it's the way you say it that it is, I don't want to say suggestion, but it's a goal to work for. It's, this is the best thing you can do. But then you've, you've got, and I, 
I'm looking here at Luke 17, verses 3 to 4. If another disciple, and this is Christ speaking, if another disciple sins, you must rebuke the offender, and if there is repentance, you must forgive. And if the same person sins against you seven times a day, turns back to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive. That's, I mean, it's there. It's pretty commandment-sounding, isn't it? It's very commandment-sounding, but I like your idea better. I hope you're, I hope you're right and he's wrong. That's the beauty of God's grace. In the end, he's the one who determines whether he's going to accept us in or not. And I'm convinced everybody gets accepted in. We'll get back to that one. <laughs> we'll get back to that one. I'm going to toss some examples at you. I got uh, two points. Let's see if I can remember both. <clears throat> uh, to me, uh, Jesus was, in part, who he was and what he did to show us what a perfect human being looks like. And in so doing, he threw down the gauntlet. In so doing, he? He threw down the gauntlet. We know what a perfect human being looks like. And so he did forgive. So if we approach, if we desire to approach perfection, we have to embrace that. And the second point is that uh, whenever I have said the Our Father, uh, I always hesitate when we <clears throat> reach the part where it says, forgive me as I forgive others, so to speak right there suggests to me that I will be forgiven to the extent I forgive. I will be judged to the extent I judge. And that's the second gauntlet. One thing that I like to remember a lot is that he remembers my frame and knows that I am dust. Amen. <laughs> Any comments from this, this end of the table? Tables? Quiet group. Susan, I want to go back to something. Your difficulty in um, forgiving some people in your life. The, the hitch in my getty up is I feel very firmly there needs to be repentance. I am under no obligation to forgive until someone repents and comes to me and says either, will you forgive me or I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I don't think there's an obligation to forgive. So I'll toss that little question out there. I've talked to members of the clergy, I don't mean anybody necessarily here in this room, who have, and I brought up the concept of the Jewish concept of whether there has to be some repentance or atonement before you can, you can ask or, or get forgiveness. And um, I was told pretty directly that uh, that's a Jewish approach to things. But the Christian approach is that you forgive and uh, uh, you don't have to see repentance. Uh, 
this is where I wish we can make a distinction between God's grace and human forgiveness. And I'm wondering in here, is he saying that at some level, we provide a human version or a, uh, or a cut rate uh, grace? I hope that's not where he's going with it because I think grace is beyond people. Well, I think grace is what gives us the capacity to forgive. That's what gives us the capacity to forgive. But I'm telling you, I'm not going to let somebody who's done something really wrong to me who refuses to ever come and make an apology, I am not going to let them ruin my life. Or refuses to even admit that wrong was done. That's right. Done. I'm, I'm not going to let them ruin my life. I'm going to work personally to forgive them so I can move on. John, I think of, I think of uh, the example in the book and in, uh, there was a bombing in Northern Ireland where this guy was from Ireland, but this is in Belfast, and he and his daughter lived there, and, and the, a building fell on them both, or, and the daughter was killed. He was a Protestant right. in Northern was, Ireland. Right, right. Um, and I'm sure he says it better in here, but basically he took the initiative and said to the people who were convicted of this crime, right, bombing this building, he took the initiative of walking up to them and saying, I forgive you. And that was the beginning of them saying, maybe like I said earlier, like, you know, I guess we can let this go. It's been going on too long. And so forgiveness without repentance is sometimes the spark that allows it to happen. For example, in the, again, the book, the, the American and the British, whatever, forgiveness of, of the Germans and the Japanese. I mean, the, Ger the Germans committed awful atrocities. The Japanese, the more you read about them, the more you realize they weren't as, maybe they, they were on the, on the same level, frankly, in terms of, it, they were just both awful. But yet we as a nation and many other nations have chosen to forgive them. And they, they never said we were wrong. I mean, the Germans, he said in the book, finally said, well, yeah, we were wrong 20 years later. But the Japanese never have until maybe five years ago. And so that, spark, that right there made the difference. There was an opening for God's grace to come into the world through our actions to forgive them, just like would have happened in the South, I think, if Lincoln's had been alive. Well, I, I don't see any problem with anybody whose heart has turned going up to somebody and saying, I forgive you. I've... I've done that. My problem is when somebody comes to me who has done something wrong and asks me for their forgiveness, what they're really asking is to be let off the hook. But is that, that I mean, frankly, is that that important? I mean, for me, it's, maybe it's purely words. But I think forgiveness is really about something that one does from the heart. I, I would agree. I'll agree. just make one more comment, and that is that what if the person never came up to you, but you knew they'd done something wrong to you? 
isn't it our obligation to forgive them even if we never see them again? Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm going to forgive them when I'm ready to forgive them because I'm not going to let their dastardly deed ruin my life. Yeah. It was bad enough when they did it to me. I'm not going to let them ruin the whole rest of my life. Right. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to forgive them when I'm ready to forgive them, whether they they ask for forgiveness or not. Yeah. But if they come to me and ask me for forgiveness, I'm going to have likely to have a hard time about it because they're asking me to take responsibility for what they did. I guess I don't, I don't see that, but we don't have to. We don't, yeah, well, I, I, that's just me. I, I, don't, well, I don't see your last point, but others may, may have other thoughts. So from our online community, Rosina says that for her, forgiveness is simply not carrying the hate and resentment. And she says there are some people she can't forgive until they see the error of their ways. And she uses the example of animal or child or elder abusers. And then she says, as a parishioner said once, quote, I'm not that good a Christian, end quote. Well, I, I guess I feel the same way as Roseanne. Um, there's... Th- to me, there has to be genuine repentance before my obligation, and I do view it as an obligation, arises to forgive. Genuine repentance makes forgiveness a lot easier. It does. I mean, I, 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 genuine repentance makes forgiveness a lot easier. I know it's possible to forgive when there hasn't been repentance. I, I don't know that I'm capable of doing it, but I've heard stories of other people doing it, but repentance really makes it easier for the forgiver you know it's very hard very hard to forgive someone who doesn't realize they've done anything or i don't know doesn't refuse yeah i don't know i don't even know how to say it you know because they obviously well yeah never mind well sir you had some other things that that seemed important you were going to say from your list here. Oh. <laughs> I went, I... And also, if you haven't spoken, we'd love to hear yeah. from you. No, I just, I, I called out all the verses I could find in the New Testament on repentance and punishment. <laughs> I, okay, um, there, there's one thing I want to bring up. All right. And it's related along the same lines. Um, it actually came after my question, my thought about, my question after the, about the U.S. forgiving Japan and Germany. So, here's what I wrote. When it comes to racism in America, what lessons do you think we can each learn from those two acts, the Germans and the Japan, Japanese, from, from, the, from the acts of us forgiving the Germans and the Japanese? I think there have been lots of examples of the black community forgiving atrocities on the parts of white folks um, that would reflect that. But it has not eliminated racism. I mean, it sounds to me like the, the, the point of that would be for the black folks to just forgive us, white folks. So the oppressed 
are the ones who are responsible for forgiving the oppressors. Before the oppression completely stops. Bef before, right, before the oppression stops, or before the oppressors even own the fact that they've done anything. I mean, we at least beat the tar out of Japan and Germany. Yeah. Well, and we executed some Germans after the Nuremberg trial, yeah. too. Yeah. Exactly. And then after it was all done, we may have forgiven them, maybe. But the war in the, South, in the, in the Pacific was an absolute racist war. We were just as nasty to the Japanese as they were to us. We placed them in internment camps. Yeah. I mean, they're, we just won. Yes. That's all. There were certainly bad things on both sides. Mm -hmm. And there were good things on both sides. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should uh, follow the example of, I know they don't call them Eskimos now. There's a different name. Inuit, Inuit indigenous uh, Canadian area people. Um, but they have supposedly in their language 150 terms for snow conditions. Snow conditions? Yes. You know, different kinds of snow, different yeah, weather, yeah. different, you know, because they lived it and it became important and they made fine distinctions. I was surprised because I am no Bible scholar that in the King James Version that my grandparents <coughs> gave me, instead of love, it uses the word charity. Hmm. Now the newer versions have changed it to love. Um, maybe we need, and I don't know that Yancey's going to help us, maybe we need to have some uh, different words for what forgiveness means. Because forgiveness maybe shouldn't mean acceptance. Maybe, you know, so maybe we have to come up with like Farfanugan, some kind of new yeah, word. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like that distinction about the, what you said about the snow, because, and yeah, it, I think generally the English language is pretty, pretty good with having different variations of things, but in this case, maybe not. Well, it's like when Jesus said to Peter after he had denied him three times, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter responded, yes, Lord, I filios you. Uh -huh. oh. And three times he asked him, do you agape me? And he never got it. Huh. Peter never got it. And we never get it because all we hear is love on both sides. Right. That's right. Yeah. We yeah. have one word for love. How many of you um, read the section about the sunflower, uh, Simon Wiesenthal, and his forgiveness mm -hmm. of the, mm -hmm. his the request to forgive the Nazi, who knows what I'm talking about? If not, I can synopsize it. Yes. <clears throat> this was in chapter nine, um, page, page 109. Simon Wiesenthal, who was, he wrote, I think he wrote a book called The Murderers Among Us. I, I think he's the one who wrote that book. Anyway, a Polish Jew who was um, incarcerated during uh, the Holocaust suffered greatly, uh, made it through uh, the other the other side, 
but while he was uh, in the concentration camp, he was working in a hospital, and uh, it said altogether he had 89 of his relatives die at the hands of the Nazis. Um, and he, tr he himself tried without success to commit suicide when he was first captured. Uh, his grandmother was killed on the stairway of her home um, as they forced his mother into a freight car uh, crammed with elderly Jewish women. Point being, he suffered greatly. He lost almost all of his family. He was cleaning out a hospital. A nurse approached him and said, are you a Jew? And he said, yeah. And she said, come with me. Takes him upstairs into a room where there's a man clearly um, on his deathbed, uh, and she shuts the door behind the two of them. The man was um, a Nazi guard. Uh, I think he was SS. As a matter of fact, he was SS. And he started talking to Wiesenthal and said, I, I'm dying, and I know I'm dying, and I, I, have, I have to tell this horrible thing I did to you because you are a Jew. Uh, and he talked about how his Catholic upbringing and his childhood faith, and he lost it. He became a member of the Hitler Youth, volunteered for the SS, uh, served on the front lines in the Russian front. Uh, and then later, uh, he was, he along with other uh, SS troops were in a town in Ukraine. I believe it was Ukraine. It doesn't really matter. It was a, a town that had uh, numerous Jews in it. And I can't, it's this long, I can't pronounce it. Um, that they were abandoned by the retreating Russians. Carl, who is this Nazi, Carl's uh, unit uh, stumbled onto some booby traps that killed 30 of their soldiers, uh, planted by who, the Russians or the population? Who knows, probably the Russians. As an act of revenge, the SS, including Carl, rounded up 300 Jews, herded them into a three-story house, doused it with gasoline, fired hand grenades at it, encircled the house, drew their guns, and shot anyone who tried to escape. And it says, the screams from the house were horrible. I saw a man with a small child in his arms. His arms were alight. His clothes were alight. By his side stood a woman, doubtless the mother of the child. With his free hand, the man covered the child's eyes and jumped into the street. Seconds later, the mother followed. Um, from other windows fell burning bodies that we shot. And Wiesenthal is sitting there in silence all this time. <clears throat> and uh, he keeps circling back, Carl, the Nazi, keeps circling back to the scene of a young boy with black hair and dark eyes falling from a building used as target practice for the SS rifles. He goes, I am left here with my guilt. In the last hours of my life, uh, you are with me. I do not know who you are. I just know that you're a Jew. I know what I've told you is terrible. Uh, in the long nights I've been waiting for death, I've longed to talk to a Jew and beg forgiveness from him. Only I didn't know if there were any Jews left. I know what I'm asking is almost too much, uh, but without your answer, whether you'll forgive me or not, I cannot die in peace. And Wiesenthal, Wiesenthal sat there for a significant period of time, said absolutely nothing to the man, got up and walked out and shut the door behind him. And it bothered him tremendously for years after that. And he wound up writing to philosophers, clergy of all makes and models, and said, did I do the right thing? And I think there were only six people who responded out of 30-something 
that said, no, you didn't do the right thing. So my question is, do you think he did the right thing? Should he have done something different? But no, a lot of them agreed that he did the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But there were six, there were six of them who, I, who said that oh, he didn't okay. do the right thing. Okay. To me, that is the perfect example of a person asking the Jew to take the burden for his behavior off of his heart. So he's basically done this terrible thing to him and asking him to relieve me of my burden. Now, Wiesenthal, who struggled with that thing for his entire life and talked it all over, he had a spiritual issue on his own part that he needed to come to terms with. I mean, he needed to find a way to let this thing go. And that's what I think forgiveness does, finally, is let this thing go. But in that particular case, that's going to be up to God as to whether he gets forgiven for that. Wiesenthal shouldn't have to take responsibility for the man's terrible. Before the moment that he was asked to go into the room, it wasn't an experience he asked for. It was one that was put upon him. The nurse just goes, come here. And upon hearing all of that mind-blowing disgusting stuff, (laughs) to be able to process it mentally and emotionally to the point where you could even make a response, I think his humanity, which God created, that was the only response he could make at that time. I never even thought about that, about the lack of time he had to respond. Yeah. He could have just done a violence to himself if he'd have said, okay, I've been commanded to forgive this guy. I forgive you. See, I don't want, I don't, I'm not disagreeing with disagreeing, but we go back to, your, to the point we talked about a while ago, which is I can understand, and I'm not saying I think he did the right thing or the wrong thing, but I can understand if he said, yes, I forgive you, that he would relieve the dying man's burden. But I don't see why, I don't see how it's, he's taking on his burden. He's not taking on his burden. He's just saying, you don't need to carry it anymore. If it's up to me, you don't need to carry it anymore. But, but as we both all know, it's ultimately God's the one that has to decide. But I don't, I don't understand how he's taking it on himself. It's just like you're giving him the grace to let, for him to let it go. And to me, that's it. John? Well, the opposite of that, of his reaction is Carrie Tinboom, you know, who saw the German officer yeah. on the street mm-hmm. that actually murdered or killed his her sister. And she goes up to him, clarified, apparently, I, mean, I remember from the book I read years ago, clarified who it was, and she said, she recalled the situation and said, I forgive you. I'm, I'm oversimplifying a very you know, long, but anyway. So that's that's the other side of this equation. Now, maybe Carrie had been working on that for years. You know, uh, I don't know, but that's the other side of the equation. Well, it, I, I also wonder, Carrie Tenboom and Wiesenthal are in different positions because Carrie Tenboom 
as I recall, it was someone who had actually harmed her or both sisters. But Wiesenthal is just a Jew who gets called in here and says, forgive me for this act where you are not even present, your relatives weren't here, but I want your forgiveness anyway. And was, his, was it his place even to say, I forgive you? Can he forgive um, for, for, for something done to something else? Steve, you agree with that? I agree with what you're saying. Um, I was hesitant to speak up, but how can I forgive somebody for something that they didn't do to me? I think only God can forgive somebody for something that they did for somebody else. I can forgive a person that harmed me, but I can't forgive a person for something they did to somebody else. I think this, uh, for me, a good example of the shades of gray forgiveness. That the old Roman axiom silences consent. He didn't say, no, I don't forgive you. He was silent. The man asked for forgiveness. He was silent. That was a partial forgiveness. Maybe not as much as he wanted later on, but it was a partial forgiveness. You see, I sometimes look at silence as the biggest, you know, you are so unimportant to me, I'm not going to even favor you with a response. Mm -hmm. It's even mm -hmm. more insulting than, no, I don't forgive you. I've used absolute silence on occasion. <laughs> Sorry, God. Um, when I've wanted to really bring home my displeasure. Well, a lot of times con confession is the unburdening of your soul. And so the man was unburdening his soul on, on a people for this man on behalf of a people. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that Wiesenthal needed to forgive him one way or the other. The man's unburdening himself and having somebody here is in some ways its own blessing. And I think there's also a Jewish saying something to the effect of when I wrong that person, that person is the only one who can forgive me. God will not forgive you when somebody else is the one who needs to forgive you. I mean, it's, it, he's real kind of clear about the fact, that in, in Jewish tradition, real clear about the fact that you can't do something wrong to somebody else and ask God to forgive you for what you've done wrong and have that count. I mean, basically, I think the story is that God says, I can't forgive you for something that you did to somebody else. That person has to forgive you. Do we have time for one more comment, Jen, or do we need to close up? It's 7.30 now, so we just want to be mindful. Okay. Don, quickly. I almost always agree with Father John, but not this time. <laughs> he forgives you. Yeah, he forgives you. Yeah. Because? Yeah, 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 I say whatever. In, in the... Uh, in, in the, the mass each week, we basically say, uh, "I have I have sinned against you, God. I have not loved my neighbor as myself. That's the sin. 
I am committing a sin against all of creation by not doing that. And I'm not suggesting they come to me and ask for forgiveness. I'm asking God to forgive me for doing that. I'll be interested in what else Yancey has to say, but on page 114, he says, the opposite of grace is ungrace. And in the next sentence, the opposite of forgiveness is unforgiveness. Uh, that's why I think we ought to keep grace at the God level, because if we want to live in the Christian world, there is the grace of God. Uh, is there, and perhaps in some of the other major religions, there's also a form of grace, but it is an agnostic or atheist. Uh, where does the grace come from? Do you as an individual think you have the grace to forgive and uh, uh, accept all the sins of the rest of the world? I, I still think, uh, I hope he unties the knot but he has forgiveness and grace all tied up, and I'm not sure how I understand it. Before we are cut off, I want to give the uh, assignment for next week, yes, the third yes. week. It's part three, The Scent of Scandal, starts on page 141. It's chapters 11 through 15, the last chapter being Grace Avoidance. So part three, The Scent of Scandal. Yes, thank you. And any, any, go ahead, go ahead no. I think that we're going to get cut off in a couple of minutes, right? Um, so let's close in prayer. And again, this is from the Book of Common Prayer, uh, from Evening Prayer Rite 2 on page 124. Lord Jesus, stay with us, for evening is at hand and the day is past. Be our companion in the way, kindle our hearts, and awaken hope, that we may know you as you are revealed in Scripture and the breaking of bread. Grant this for the sake of your love. Amen. Amen. What page is that on? 124. Thank you. 124. Well, thank you for coming, everybody. Good discussion, good, guys. Good, to have good you. discussion. Good, very good discussion.